Hi, this is Katie Orr, and you're listening to the Focus 15 Podcast. I know that life is busy, filled with demands and distractions that make it difficult to spend daily time in the Bible. So together, we'll dive deep into God's Word today. All it will take is 15 minutes. Today we are going to jump in to Jonah chapter 2. I love this small little book tucked away in the Old Testament. At first glance, it seems as if there's not too much that we could get out of it. Um, Maybe kind of a just a fun story to look at or to listen to or for the kids. But there is so much under the layers in Jonah. And so today we're going to look at just one layer uh, of Jonah 2. And specifically about God's provision. And so I'm going to read it and then we will dive in. I'm going to start in actually one verse back in Jonah 1, 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard me. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever, yet you brought my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. There is so much tucked away here in this in this prayer. This is a prayer of Jonah from the belly of the fish. So many believe that Jonah was actually the, the author of this book. Because who else could tell this prayer? Um, and so from the belly of the fish, if you know the story of Jonah, you know already that in chapter 1, God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to tell them that they are sinners And that they need to stop. (laughs) And if they don't stop, there's going to be trouble. And Jonah says, no way, Jose. And he runs the other way. He was scared of the Ninevites for good reason. um, But he did not want to go there. He did not want to preach. So he ran. He ran the opposite way. He hired a ship and sailors. And he got on that ship and sailed um, the opposite way. And while he was there on the boat... God sent a huge storm and to the point where the sailors and Jonah thought that they would die. And finally, Jonah says, it's my fault. This is all because of me. Throw me overboard. This is my fault. I'm running from God. He has done this because he's trying to stop me. And so the mariners hesitantly and and afraid, uh, they did. They threw Jonah overboard and the the storm ceased. And then from there... We see where we picked up and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And so God 
appoints this fish. Jonah finds himself in the belly of this fish for three days and three nights, the Bible says. And he prays. And the first place I want us to look at is in chapter, I mean, is in chapter two, verse three. Listen to the wording here. He says, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. He doesn't say, for the mariners, they threw me over the sea. Or he doesn't say, oh, I just couldn't take it anymore, so I jumped over. It's my fault I'm in the sea. He says, you, God, cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. So there is a great sense that Jonah has here that God has got him right where he wants him. God has provided this distress. It was God's waves, God's billows. God cast him into the deep. So often, well, all too often, we see hardship as a work of the evil one. And while I certainly do believe that Satan is, as scripture calls it, a prowling lion seeking to devour us, I think we give him too much credit sometimes. And that things come as difficulties and distress in our life by God's hand. That he allows frustrating and hard times in our lives. And that is a provision a gift of grace in our lives. Uh, me and four-year-olds, we don't get along so well. <laughs> I currently have a four-year-old and I have two other children that at once were four-year-olds. But I don't know what it is about that three and a half to four and a half age. I just have not. That has been my least favorite part of parenting is parenting four-year-olds. And I love my kids. Of course, I love them. But there are plenty of days, especially during that three and a half to four and a half year time frame, that I don't like my kids. Um, they're defiant and frustrating and hard. And uh, in many ways, with my firstborn, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Everyone talked about the terrible twos. Nobody talked about the frightsome fours. They're horrible. <laughs> and I did not handle it very well. And many times I would pray to God after some very hard discussions with my four-year-old going, God, why does he have to be so difficult? Why does this have to be so hard? And just asking that question, why God, why did you give me this distress? This is not the way things should be. And certainly my expectations um, needed to be changed. Uh, but I saw the frustrating thing as all bad. And it was as if God just one day kind of, he just opened my eyes to the fact that, Katie, if things were easy, you would ignore your kids. If things were easy, you would push cruise control. If things were easy, you would not devote yourselves here. You would devote yourself to something else. And I love my children and I want so much for one of my primary roles in life to be their mother. And I, I don't want to take that lightly, but often I do. If things are easy with them, I find myself going to everything else but to hang out with them. And it's not that I don't love them. and It's not that I don't want to be with them. I think it's just the, the natural bent of my heart is to be self-focused and um, to 
achieve other things instead of be with my kids and pour myself into my kids. And often in my life, I've seen that God's provision of distress has revealed to me displaced devotion. And when I had so many struggles with my four-year-old, it was because my devotion was displaced. My devotion was not primarily for my kids. My devotion was for other things. And God revealed that to me only through the distress. Had my four-year-old not been so difficult, I would have had to learn that lesson maybe a harder way. So often, I think, without the distress, we cruise control in our life, whether that be with parenting or uh, even our walk with God. Those things that we say are important, but when it comes down to it, we often don't make the best choices. Distress often is a provision of God to realign us, to replace our devotion where it should be. James 1 Verses 2 through 4 is a beautiful passage, and it's very familiar probably to you. Count it all joy, my brothers. Joy. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kind. For you know that the testing of your faith faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James exhorts us here to count it joy when we meet distress. Jonah was getting a picture of that, that though he was sitting in a yucky, nasty place, that it was God's provision. Trials and testings produce perfection in our life. Our goal on this earth is not for ourselves to be perfect, but our goal is to become more and more like the perfect one, Jesus. We, we do not become more like Jesus without those fiery trials, without those testings, without the distress, without the waves that come over us each day. So I pray today that as we encounter distress in our life, that we would first not um, either ignore it nor give it credit to the evil one, but first think about, is this distress, could this distress be from God? Could this be something that he is using like holy sandpaper to rub away the rough edges in my life so that I can become more like Jesus? God, we pray that you would open our eyes today to the distresses that you've allowed in our lives. Lord, we don't pretend to enjoy them or like them, but by your grace, would you help us embrace them? And would you use that distress to make us more and more like your son and all for your glory. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you'll join me back for the next episode of the Focus 15 podcast, where we'll continue to look at Jonah 2 at another provision of God. Thanks for listening to the Focus 15 podcast. You will find the show notes on the blog at katieor.me backslash truth. I'd love it if you check out my Focus 15 Bible studies at focused15.com. And as always, you can find me hanging out and sharing truth on Instagram and Twitter at katieor22.